First thing I want to do is um, I want to hear what you guys had thought of the conference and your experiences here. Uh, and you can just pass the mic. You get, put that mic on that end, and then I'll pass it. Um, we'll just start with Mark and work our way down. Uh, it, the conference has been great. I met tons of people that gave me hugs and good energy. It's been a whole lot nicer than I, I thought it could be. And it, it turns out there's just a lot of synchronicities going on between everybody. Everybody's lock, walking around thinking they uh, they know each other, but they've never met. So it's been a really good experience. Um, I really didn't know what to expect at first. This is my first time doing this. So I was a little nervous, but all of you accepted me. and. I appreciate that, and I've had a really good time, and it was a really good setup, and it was excellent. Thank you. Uh, I'm just happy to be here, and I feel like I'm with family here, and I don't want to leave. <laughs> I'm tired, um, and this is yet exceeded my expectations. I don't know, like you said, I think I, I don't know what I really expected, but I love the the way, well, as Mark said, too, we're getting along, and there's such good energy here. Um, it's a beautiful group changing the world, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I have this one. Hello. Um, I think this is my 10th live talk. And for you guys that are, this is your first one, if you're going to go on and do another talk, the bar is set pretty high. Um, this is one of the best ones. Of the, it's the best one for my subject matter. You know, it's like in my wheelhouse. For ours. Uh, you know, I'll say ours because I'm not up here, you know, with, it's not a diverse subject matter. It's the same subject. So, But, I mean, the bar is set pretty high. You made it look really easy, putting a conference together. And I, I've seen other ones go, you know, have bumpy rides. And this one has came off like a well-oiled machine. You've done a ma marvelous job. And like I said to you guys, if you're going to go to other conferences, um, you know, I got bad news for you. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Everybody else, uh, the crowd is just amazing. I'm totally drained from just being loving to everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm totally uh, humbled by it. So thank you for having me. I hope we do it again. Uh, good evening, everyone. And um, from my perspective, I, I could not have wished for a better experience, to be blunt with you. I, um, I got to see my wife give her testimony, which I was very proud of her. I've said that to her many times. Um, I thought our talk went really well. I hoped you guys enjoyed it. And um, like some of the other comments that have been made by Mark and, and James and everyone else, I think there is this kind of a feeling of camaraderie within the community, and we're starting to kind of coalesce a little bit. And that, to me, I, I find that very comforting. And uh, I hope that continues. And, and you're right. Uh, this isn't my first radio either. So um, speaking publicly, I have been at some events where, um, yeah, the show did not quite go to plan. And you guys did make this look very, very effortless. So thank you for that. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy this. I hope you enjoy the information, and uh, God bless you.
So this is my first rodeo <laughs> with this subject matter, and it was absolutely amazing. Tyler, Aaron, Jim, all of you who were a part of this, thank you so much. And that means all of you who came here. And many of you have overcome feats just to be here. And that means not just physically, but also mentally, energetically, just to be here. You know, the journey has been probably windy just to be here at this conference. And I'm sure, well, I've actually talked to a few of you, more than a few of you, a handful of you who have been triggered by some of the things that we've said and the things that you've shared with one another. And so it may have been a bumpy ride, but thank you for persevering and continuing just to sit tight and to process everything. I'm very grateful for the myths that have been dispelled just by being here together in the same room, face-to-face, -face, getting to know each other, and to have that healing go on. So I am very grateful, and um, I, I just I can't say enough. So thank you. Love and blessings to all of you. So many years ago... When I first started doing this, the uh, disclosure community pretty much represented the UFO community. And um, reaching out to them uh, with some of the information that through at least the Mill Lab information, the response that we got from that community was very hostile towards this information. So I started off from it be, be, this information being hostile to becoming a novelty, to something funny, to something that went to a, into a curiosity. And then we find more and more people were stepping forward and also having these memories and experiences. And, and still, um, I mean, we already know there's a long way, we have a long way to go to get the general public awakened. But it's amazing that so many people here have uh, shown up. And I think there's many people in this audience who might even be on the speaker circuit in the future themselves. So um, a lot of us are all growing and uh, we're going to continue to let this movement grow. Uh, not only in our memories and our experiences as we continue to heal ourselves. And this is one way we can do it, by coming forward together as a group, united, and understanding that, yes, we don't want secrecy anymore. We want to have the truth because we're ready for it, because the people up high, um, let's say up high, the elites or so on, think that you're not ready for it. But this right here proves that you are ready for it. You're not going to go crazy to find out that, yes, we have a secret space program, and, yes, uh, we've been lied to a very long time, and there's technologies that can change the world to better, and it's time to bring it all out. So thank you all for, for making an effort to come out here tonight. Very, very well said. Um, and I just, yeah, thank you all for, for going through what you've gone through. I mean, I know some of you guys, it's your first, but some of you guys have been under fire for a while now, and, you know, this is, like you said, they, they're not stopping us, so that's awesome. Um, so, I have a few questions before we get to the audience questions, and um, I'll announce that later. <laughs> well, first of all, I'd like to actually get, um, get your, I just want to hear from each one of you guys, um, how stepping forward, I know you guys touched on it, but how stepping forward has, um, has changed your life, because some people are scared to do it. Some people are scared to do it, and I, I know from my experience, like, as soon as, as soon as you speak that truth, you know, all of a sudden, the right people 
uh, find you and you're, you're gravitated towards the right people. So what's that been like? Start with Mark uh, and then we'll work our way down. Um, it hasn't been a real great experience. I mean, to be honest, uh, a lot of old friends disappear. They can't handle it. Or they're not ready for that. And um, you can lose family members. So that's why a lot of friends that I have that had had these experiences are staying silent. Um, I've accidentally talked about it too with people that weren't ready to accept it. And uh, I'd like to thank James Rink just because it, he was the first one to give me the interview and the opportunity to uh, speak up and let everybody know what was happening. And yeah, thank you, James. That's a big question, yeah. Um, I was terrified to tell my story for the first time, and I, th I think I was terrified before I came and gave my first live talk, right? Um, but it's changed my life all for the better. And I think one of the things that I, I made a deal with myself that I was willing to lose every relationship I had to do this. Um, I'm not saying I did lose every relationship, but it was like that made it okay to go forward, and that was the only thing. I had to just be ready to burn every bridge that I had to because this was the only thing that mattered. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't been easy, and there was a point. I, you know, when it very when it began, I had an avalanche of things that I wanted to talk about that I knew were important to everybody, like literally everybody, and I didn't know where to begin with that, and it wasn't easy, and. I guess I would say to anybody else that's thinking about talking about this, that before I could talk to anybody, before I sent an email or a message to anybody about, hey, I was involved, before I did any of that, there was a conscious decision to quit being afraid of literally everything. My own shadow, what people are going to think, what's going to happen to me, my family, my friends. There was, I had to stop and say, look, because it all went through, swirled in my head, and it was just basically fear. And I had to let go of it. Once I was, I said, I don't, you know what, if they do something bad to me, they're just going to, then it's, it's on them, it's not me, I'm not going to be afraid of it. And I moved forward. And I think that not only got me uh, perpetuated where I keep going, but it changed my whole life. Like, my day-to-day -day life, my everything, my family life, just quit being afraid, you know. I have some mixed feelings on that question, I guess, because um, as some have already said, uh, probably better than me, uh, I have lost friendship connections. Uh, we have a whole side of our family that does not want anything to do with me because they consider this subject drama. And they've watched one video and they assume that's the story, quote unquote. Um, and people will isolate from you because they don't want it, they don't, they can't cognitively deal with the dissonance that this subject creates. It's so far away from their sense of reality that they don't know how to process it. And it has costed Jody and I both friends and family. But uh, I would also agree with some of the sentiments that were made up here by some of the previous speakers. Um, and I agree with exactly what you said, Rebecca. You have to be willing, if you're going to come out, you have to be willing to burn the motherfucker down. And that means 
that means every piece of it to the ground. And there's a part of me that when I initially talked about this, the first two people I talked to actually was a gentleman that was running one of the SSP groups, and you. You and I chatted about this, James, for a while. And I, I, you can ask James. At first, I did not want to come out. I was, I was adamantly against it because I knew the cost that it, it would cost me. I knew what it would cost me to do this. And um, the upside is, is that through all of that, uh, I've now got this beautiful lady at my side. Um, and I've got where I feel like are a group of people that, who know my experience. They know who I am as a person. You guys know who I am as a person. And I feel like if you're going to come out like this, you've got to come out and swing big. Don't swing small because there are people who are going to try to silence you at every single minute. They're going to cast doubt at you. They're going to try to erode your story, try to gaslight you, talk shit about you. And you have to be willing to back up what you say, right? How many times have we had that conversation, you and I? So, I mean, that's, that's what happens in this community. You have to be willing to go big or go home. And I recommend to anybody, if that's what you're going to do, understand the cost because I've been doxxed. I've had people threaten to come to my work and, and beat the crap out of me. All kinds of stuff. People I didn't even know. And they were going to do that. You know, putting my, public in, my private information on the Internet, on social media, telling people where I live, my license information, all this stuff. That's what they can do. So protect yourself, first off and foremost. Make sure if you're going to do this, you insulate yourself. Insulate the people you love. Because they're most important. The people up, up on this stage, we all have families. We all have significant others and loved ones that we care about. Insulate those people. Prepare them. And then when you actually come out on stage, you make sure that the whole world hears you. Don't, don't go quietly. And that's, that's it. First, I want to say thank you for all of you brave, brave souls. Very, very good examples and have given me so much courage to do this. The journey here, um, the journey at the beginning was like, oh my gosh, I have so much to expose. Everybody needs to hear this. I was so gung-ho, but the closer and closer I got to sharing my testimony and my piece of this, I just kind of freaked out, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And that little voice of, you know, I don't know, you shouldn't do this. This, this means, like, you know, your career is completely over in the media. Not that I think the media is great or anything, but I think there, there were some good things that I was doing. Um, and I was still trying to pitch these types of things being exposed in the media. So I had to come to terms with the fact that that could be absolutely completely over, um, come to terms that my family has basically said, nope, you're no longer welcome, and um, friends who would say you're crazy. <laughs> um, I even had an email come to me saying, come on, Jody, you're smart. You're an intelligent woman. You, you know... We're in the news media. Like, how are you not seeing that you're being ridiculous about this? And I, I just, I, I can't deny, though, that this is true. 
So I, I just had to speak out. But even after I shared what I shared this week, um, still that little voice can get to you. And I told Will, I said, I don't know if I'm going to do this again. <laughs> but um, I, I absolutely will because I can't deny it. I can't deny it. And just last thing is I am so grateful for such a supportive husband who is also so brave. And it's been amazing to do this with my divine counterpart. So I want to mention something to you, Jody. Your life as a journalist has just begun. But in a new field of subject matter, we do definitely need professional journalists out here because... Um, yeah, this grassroots um, movement is going to continue to grow as more and more people become aware of who they are. And uh, we're, the, we're the ones out here, well, I believe we're the ones out here telling the truth, and, um, and that's what we're going to continue to do. So now what I like to do is to share some, some, something I don't really like to share publicly. Um, many years ago, when I first realized that I was involved in these projects, this was probably, this, I guess, going back 17 years ago, um, I uh, started getting needle marks, cut marks, scoop marks, um, and triangular-shaped scabs. Physical evidence, somebody or something was coming into my house doing things to me. And I didn't have a support network back then. Nobody was, could provide me any information. The, the UFO crowd was not very supportive and helpful at all. So what I decided to do was something dumb. Um, I was getting uh, some paralysis episodes where um, I thought that perhaps someone was coming into my house to put something in my food, and um, I reached out to poison controls to see maybe there's some something being done. Somebody's coming into my home, and they took me down to the to the hospital psych ward and kept me there for three weeks. And uh, they weren't able to so they weren't able to figure out what was wrong with me, but they they released me under a psychosis NOS, which is a diagnosis for the insurance insurance policies. But um, basically, it it, just, it means they don't know. They they said I was psychosomatic. It was all in my head. But um, when I got out, my family had no interest in hearing anything about needle marks, cut marks, uh, being a, being a super soldier, having some memories at that point, very little. And then over time, um, it got to the point where I uh, decided that the only way that I'm going to find answers is I had to make my own network. And um, I did reach out to some people in, in the field at that time, but there was really no one in this um, that was public at that time in the MyLab community. So that's why I set up Super Soldier Talk back in 2010. And um, over the years, I've accepted the fact that when I go to family outings, I don't talk about anything weird around them because I. you almost have to look at it this way. Think of it as like you're talking to a child, even though they're older than me. I have an older sister and you know, parents and, and so on, but I, I, I think of them like children, and I treat them, unfortunately, I, I hate to do that, but in a way it has to do with consciousness. So don't feel bad if, if they're at that level. Accept them at that level and love them at that level, and then... Um, then they probably won't uh, put you back in the cycle. Well, they, they didn't have nothing to do with that anyway. But, but the point is, the point is, 
they're going to grow up when they're ready to grow up. Just like a child grows up and needs new shoes, bigger shoes, they're going to grow up, and it's going to take, maybe they're going to take a little bit longer, but you can reach out to people who are open. You can create your own network, and you don't have to feel alone, and, and that's partly why you're here. Well said. Very well said. It's amazing seeing all of you guys on stage together. Um, it's amazing. I mean, you guys, you guys are brothers and sisters, and uh, you guys doing this, is, it's awesome. Uh, just what Jody said, yeah, thank you guys all. Um, so this next question I've actually put a lot of thought into. Um, what in the hell is going on on this planet right now? <laughs> um, no, but seriously, right now it is so chaotic. Um, there are so many narratives going around, so many theories about what's taking place. Has the planet been liberated? Has it not? Are, are these dumbs being cleared? Um, what's going on? Are the, is the military in control? Is the white hat in control? You know, what's, what's the percentage? All these questions come forward. Um, and I, you don't all have to answer this, but if one of you guys wants to take this or has any information you can share, just uh, uh, what you think um, is actually happening right now behind the scenes. Um, because we have so many people trying to tell us what it is without l allowing us to question it. I'm just curious what you guys think is really happening behind the scenes and who's running the show. So who are, anybody want to take this in particular? Daryl. I was actually told, yeah, by uh, Robert, the executive officer of my last command, that, uh, yeah, the dumbs are being free and uh, the moon's being free. And uh, this whole coronavirus thing, he, he said it was the flu. But people made a big deal about the flu, and he said that, but the White Hats were going to use this as a kind of cover to be able to do their things, and they were going to let these things happen because they want to see, they want the public to know what they had in store for us, like what they were going to do to us, what they had planned. And it's just uh, to awaken the conscience of the public, and not just the public, but just all of Earth. And that's what he told me. Um, I know it's not for all of us, but I just wanted to say that um, we were fully aware and uh, something that a lot of people, I think, slips our mind when we think about what's going on right now is this isn't the first time, this isn't the first planet that's gone through this. This isn't the first time that people have gone through this. We didn't get the first internet or the first car or the first boat. They've done this before. They have it down to a science. It's an art form for disclosing and bringing a species into the fold. And it's just a matter of what group's going to get us um, when it's all said and done, where the contracts end up. But they know exactly what the outcome is. They knew what was going to happen to society when the Internet was introduced. They knew it long before it was going to happen. And because they've seen it happen on countless other worlds that have gone through development. So everything that's happening, even though it might be – I guess I'm back to my fear – uh, salesmanship. <laughs> There's nothing to be afraid of. Um, you know, just live your life and make yourself the best person you can be. But that's all we got. And tell our truth, you know, like spread the truth. But um, they've done this before, and there's an outcome in, in mind. And it's my thinking, and it's my only, my opinion is if we were going to do, if we were going to play this the hard way, it would have been much harder by now already. So I think we're in, we're, we have uh, great days ahead of us all. I guess. 
Um, well, I've been told a couple of things. One, um, the folks I'm still in contact with in Alliance have made a couple of comments. One, the White Hats are in the minority. However, what they're doing is, is essentially they're doing exactly what we've been doing all week, red-pilling you guys. That's exactly what the mission is. They're trying to stop a repeat of the Orson Welles 1938 broadcast. <coughs> and unbeknownst to Hollywood, they've done a great job at helping us with this. So um, that's what you see a lot on James's show and other people's show, like your show, Journey to Truth, and others. They essentially were using this information in a way that it wasn't meant to be used. For example, look at coronavirus, right? So originally, coronavirus was meant to essentially impede society, cause us to be in fear, cause us to isolate, break down all of our social cues as humans, right? Well, you know, Peter himself on your show, uh, James, said that because of the way we started interacting as humans, we shifted the, the negative egregory positive because all of a sudden people started going and taking care of their family members and started giving people food and started actually helping people and all this stuff that is innate to who we are, right? Our innate nature as human beings is to help one another and be social with one another. That's who we are at our core. I don't think that's ever going to change. I think in terms of like you asked the bigger question, I think... I think you even uh, commented on this, Daryl. I think that um, in terms of, like, the outcome of this, I think Tony's even right, too, on this. When he said the outcome is already sort of, like, pre-planned, I think the big question here is, is whose plan are we choosing, right? We've talked about this idea of do we choose the higher-density path or this lower-density path? And I think that's what's being managed. And I think as we, as a species, wake up, that path starts to shift, and our job, our job really isn't to um, force people to accept the reality that we already all know. Our job is to help our species actually heal by holding space for that healing to occur. Every single one of you out there, every one of you guys, when people don't understand this subject and they don't understand what it is that we're talking about, your job is just to hold space for them. Make a space in your heart space so they can actually start healing over this. Sure, there may be cognitive dissonance. They may argue with you. They may blow up and say whatever. That's fine. You still hold them in here and make sure there's space in here for them to heal. Because that's what this is really about. We, has, we had some comments that I guess some folks that asked uh, Jody and I. And, <laughs> pardon me. Um, one of the comments that was made was it said, is there anything positive coming out of all this disclosure stuff? We're hearing all this negative stuff. And it's like, well, there is. Because at some point, as this egregory shifts, even more positive, these negative entropic ET species will not vibrate with the resonance of where we are as a species. They can't stay here. They'll either be forced to evolve, which means they have to raise their density which means they have to give up the service to self mindset, or B, they go somewhere else. They have to make the choice to go somewhere else. And that's fine with me. You know, the Draco can take their scaly asses somewhere else. I don't care. But the point is, is that that's a choice they make as a species, right? Just the same way we make a choice, all of us in this room have made choices to raise our consciousness, our vibration, to start that healing and, and, again, create that healing space within us 
to allow other people to start their healing on whatever level that may be. And that's why I think all of this is about the, the whole. You talk about your, the name of your show, right, Tyler? The whole journey to truth, right? What is that? What is that truth ultimately, right? Well, I see that truth as achieving a species-wide love. That's what our next step is: fourth density. Now, the bigger question is, how do we get there, right? And everyone's shaking their head like, yeah, how do we get there? Well, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. But I, but I can tell you there are lots of ways to do it. And as long as we're all holding space for that, for that reality to possibly occur, then it will occur. Because it's not about us micromanaging the divine creator. It's about us putting the intent out there that's going to happen, right? Everyone knows about the, about the, look, the secret, right? The law of attraction. We attract that outcome to occur, and it occurs, we create the hundredth monkey effect. So let's as well say that. I think the answer to that question is very layered, but um, going along the same lines, um, I will answer that in a metaphysical way. So I think what we're seeing out there on the external is a reflection of the internal for each of us. And I think that it gauges where we are on the collective as well. So I think that to look at the external, we can just say, okay, metaphorically, what does that say about where I am as well? And how can I learn from that? What is that reflecting back to me? So whatever's happening in my life, I always ask myself, what is that reflecting back to me? Even if it means something goes wrong with my car or my house or something, you know, because it's always reflecting back to you what's going on. So from the external landscape, we can say, okay, this is going on, this is going on in politics, this is going on wherever, you know, with the war in Ukraine or whatever. What is that reflecting back to us as a collective and also individually? So that's where we can learn, and I think that's also what Will was saying as well. So um, I'm going to add a little bit extra to that. So first of all, uh, before I get to that, maybe I'll start with this. Um, I was told that the Arcturians and Andromedans are in charge of our government here in the United States, that uh, at least Trump is an actor, and I'm assuming that also Biden is an actor as well, that uh, the alliance is uh, wanting people to wake up, so they're letting some of the bad stuff happen, and so people can become self-aware and take responsibility but um, also, there's, uh, there's some issues still going on with the dark thats. They are opening up portals. Um, you can go on Google and look this up. Uh, look for portal. Um, ocean catches fire. There are portals being opened up in the ocean that are catching on fire. But there's also portals in CERN where they're trying to bring entities in to possess the scientists at CERN in order to conduct research on how to hijack the planetary Akashic record. So that's like the planetary Gregory or, or uh, the, the mindset, the planet. So all of us have our own Akashic record. And as we, um, as input, as information is inputted into us, um, like for instance, information about possible negative timeline or, or fearful stuff, what happens is through our heart chakra, we decide that we don't want that. And instead, we put in positive intention. And that gets uploaded into the uh, planetary cosmic um, Akashic record. So as more and more people become aware, 
new information is uploaded, and that information subconsciously is downloaded to all the occupants here on planet Earth, and then uh, on a subconscious level, they know that we don't want to manifest negativity. That's why I think over the years, I've had so many people come on my show and have all these dreams that, oh, this earthquake's going to happen, California's going to go in the sea, and you know, so and so on, COVID's going to kill billions of people. So, But ultimately, what happened is, is something positive turned out, and I think as more and more positivity happens, the a- negative AI, which I think is trying to hijack the uh, the Kashyyyk record there, the planetary one, um, is being glitched. It's glitching out. So the more glitches that takes place, the more people are waking up and becoming aware. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this whole, we are in a matrix, but it's, it's all coming crashing down. So, so what's going to happen? I think more positivity, but it may not be easy. We may see a collapse of the U.S. dollar. We may see the United States economy go down, and but something new will emerge. And I think uh, what what new will emerge will be the release of all these amazing technologies. Maybe we'll have something similar to Nasara, but we have to get rid of the baddies first, and that may it may take a few more years. I think when you'll know is when the media starts telling you the truth, the mainstream media. But until then, yeah, you still have this disclosure community and. All of you, you can go out and share this information to your friends and family. Well said once again. So I'm going to start with my favorite question first, because it's a good question. I don't know if I've ever thought about this before. Um, So basically, I'll just summarize it. Well, I'll just read it. Your memory is wiped when you're taken into the program and after. If people have real-time recall dreams of a parallel life in the programs, does that mean the person in the program has real-life recall of the people on Earth? Do you have, do you have any of you guys experienced something like that, like uh, dreaming about your life down here? And any one of you guys can answer this, or all of you guys, if you want. <laughs> we'll come back to both. We'll circle back. Uh, So from my perspective, the answer is yes. Um, It was very strange. I do have memories of actually thinking about what happened to my family on Earth. Because I had memories when I was being put under hypnotic induction in 95. I had memories all the way out to 2032 in that lifetime. So here I am knowing certain things, and the the terminology they use for this is called temporal dysphagia. Basically, you have two competing timelines of memories in your head, right, or or more. You've got this whole, like, I'm in the now, right? Your your memory's in the now. And you've got this whole other set of memories, like, where the hell did this come from? And that other set of memories is the important part, because in that memory, I I told the lady uh, about presidents that were going to happen. I predicted that. And in that lifetime, I remember checking in on my family. I actually checked to see what was happening in the United States. And I think one of the, the second video you and I did, James, um, I talked about this idea that in 2016, there was this massive civil war. The U.S. collapsed. It took 16 years to get through it. And then basically there was disclosure, like massive disclosure, because they had to. Uh, the alliance came in and basically brought med tech and food and supplies and all this stuff to Earth, and we were part of that. Um, I could very easily see that happening now, especially with the state of what's going on. As you mentioned, with the, and James, you mentioned this, with the state of the U.S. dollar, I could see that happening in the future. 
But the idea is, is that I did have memories of that. And I also had memories of what was going on in the media, like um, the whole, you guys have probably heard of the Mandala effect, right? Where you have like these weird things, you're like, you see something, you're like, well, I don't remember it happening that way, right? Well, that's sort of what temporal dysphagia is like, except worse. Because um, I remember certain things happening in that timeline. Like, for example, in that timeline, Bush uh, was never president. It was Gore, the guy that ran against him, the guy that he kind of took to court in Florida, right? He actually, Gore won that. But I'm thinking, okay, so w- what is going on? Why did, why did Bush win that? That's weird. So there are, there are things like that that have cropped up, so... Oh, is on. Hello. Um, yes, several times during my time, I had dreams, and you know, I guess the the emotional connection. Like I, they told me I was a clone when I first came up, and but I always kind of felt, still felt a connection with my mother. And there were times when, when I was in Peru, because it's not like I had the internet to play with. I was a, I was a emotionally unstable kid they would give me crayons <clears throat> and I always drew my house that I grew up in and I had no memory of it and so it had a, I had a quarter mile long driveway I always drew the house had the long it was the same picture I drew all the time and I was always having dreams back and forth and there were times when I would go to sleep in this life and wake up in the program for a minute what is and, and think where in the hell am I I'm in a cell somewhere and a, you know, in a completely different reality and it was real because I could pinch myself and go, and I'd go to sleep there and wake up for school the next morning back in this life. So, that, yeah, so that is something that absolutely does happen. Yep. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to just keep this really short because um, I can't really recall a time where my consciousness actually transferred into my clone body and then I came back and have all the memories with it. But um, I know apparently one of my uh, altars on the moon, James Ring, he was told that uh, his home altar here on planet Earth, me, was a DNA trafficker, that I was selling my DNA to make clones and living a lavish lifestyle to making lots of money selling. So he felt resentful towards me, and I tried to explain to him that that was all bullshit. And the thing is, you can't really call him up and say, hey, you know, this this is actually what our lives are like down here. Um, they think we're living a life of leisure and pleasure, at least the ones that are not to- that were told that w- we weren't destroyed in a cold bubble bomb, because typically they're told the planet Earth is gone. But um, or they just wipe the memories and then then they program them to not even think about their family. They just they just focus on the mission. That's it. They're like a full cyber because I was part part of the cybernetic programs. Um, it made me think of what Tony said. Um, I, I played an instrument, so I was given pretty much unlimited access to like any music I wanted in um, the Dark Fleet. I think most of the other guys they can only listen to. I don't know, maybe classical or something like that. But I remember um, like listening to uh, 60s and 70s, and I would look at the covers and things like that. And I, I somehow knew that this was like the music that my parents liked. And uh, it made me feel like a lot closer. And Because uh, eventually the Germans kind of, uh, they trusted me enough that they just told me that, you know, the stuff of the earth being blown up or things like that wasn't true, that I volunteered for this program, and that, you know. I, I was like a person. I wasn't just like a clone of some leftover scum. Or they, they told you all kinds of stuff. But I remember like 
Yeah, I remember listening to like oldies, 60s and 70s. And they would, I knew that my parents listened to this music and it, I don't know, felt more like home. Thank you. Anyone else? No? Before? Uh, I don't really ever talk about this, but I have, um, yeah. I have bleed through from a part of me that's still out there. Okay. Yeah, and it's, um, I'm still trying to put that together. That's part of why I haven't brought it up, but it's a, uh, it doesn't feel scary and it's not a lot of action, but there's a piece that is not recalled, you know? So mm -hmm. I hope, I don't, I don't know if I totally understood the question, but that's what came up for me. Well, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, Joe, do you want to take it? I was just going to say, um, my sister has, my middle sister has not come out. Um, and she doesn't know a whole lot about the programs, but, um, she would tell me about how she would have these dreams, um, and she would like hit the ground. She'd be flying, and then she'd hit the ground with her her hand, and it would be like a lot of Lixodon type stuff. And she'd have like light weapons and stuff like that. And I also remember going on missions with her. So, and it's my sister here. So, kind of the by locating type stuff. Wow, thank you. Um, please discuss. 5D, how it affects us, or is this 5G? Oh, it's 5G, sorry. Or 5D, both. It, it, you know, Kate was talking about cursive earlier. It turns out I can't read it, so. Uh, it's been so long since I've read something in cursive. Please discuss 5G, how it affects us, how to stay safe from it, how the vaccine and 5G affect each other, uh, and smart meter, Smart meters, all of the above. Can you, anyone touch on that? I mean, what I learned about 5G on the base, like they had the 5G on the base, and before years before it ever came out, like I saw it in the mainstream. I, I just know that, like I said, it was um, a way to almost bug you without actually going to your house. You know, they put they can put that microwave beam right into your house, and uh, they can look around. And uh, they can actually talk, you know, they can project the voice. And um, that's all I remember of that, of the 5G. And um, I remember the guy said that people are going to think that, you know, it causes cancer and things like that. But it was only if the beam went, like, directly through your head, if they were, like, putting it, you know, if they concentrated in a certain area that could affect you. But I was also told that, like, you know, by Robert, he said, you have no privacy, and you have to accept that now. You know what I mean? We live, we live in an era where, you know, you have no privacy, and 5G is part of that now. So, I don't know. Maybe it's a genie in a bottle. I don't know. We can't put back in. I don't know. Anyone else want to touch on that? Um, coming in a kind of a multi-dimensional perspective, if we talk about protection. Any, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I would say um, I'm. I'm always given, have been given, as the the EMF on our planet ramps up. I'm given a lot of geometry that moves around my body. And it is, we, it doesn't have to be a material object that protects us, but if we work with our minds and upgrade our consciousness, we have geometries of light that can protect us. Um, and that's what I use. I do think it helps. And it's upping the, if you know, the more shit they throw at us, the more it ups the ante for us to move through our higher consciousness. Um, we have the technology that's so much bigger inside of us. So there you go. Okay, so speaking strictly from, I guess, an electrical engineering standpoint, how many people are new as an electrical engineer? Not many? Okay, a few. 
I, w- I am, so. Um, speaking from that standpoint, what people don't realize is, is that RF can affect you regardless of the type of RF. The, the question is the level, the emission type, and the exposure rate. So that's for any RF. Um, secondly, you know, Daryl did a great presentation the other night, and I thought that with the way 5G works and the way he was explaining it and what I've seen in other demonstrations, uh, projected beam microwaves have already been talked about, but not to this extent. So uh, we actually sent you a copy of some patent stuff right a while back, and one of those patents talks about this ability to take a microwave beam and essentially by changing the frequency you can actually oscillate the eardrum bone. That's how they get the voice of God technology to work. They actually have to, to fine-tune that for your ear. So there's a technician or a computer sitting there constantly tweaking it until it sees a response from you. So that's the first, that's the first part of how some of that works. The second half of this is um, with 5G specifically, um, you can take RF and excite certain chemical bonds. So, for example, uh, look at the way your standard microwave oven works, right? The way your microwave oven works is that you're actually using a microwave frequency that's actually irradiating the oxygen-hydrogen bond in the actual food. And as that oxygen-hydrogen bond starts to shake, that vibration creates friction, which creates heat. And then your food, therefore, is cooked. So I hope I'm not going over everyone's head here by saying all this because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting out in the weeds a little bit. Um, sorry, I'm getting a little physicky up here. Sorry, a little nerdy. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the idea is, is that um, you can use RF for both good and for bad, right? I, th- I think initially when this technology was developed, I think there was a good intent behind it. The problem is, is there's we've got these bad actors in place that they definitely will use this stuff for not good purposes. And that's the real issue here is like, so do we disable the technology or do we basically take the technology over and use it the way it's supposed to be used, right? And quit targeting people. And that that's the real, um, that's part of what this discussion really needs to be because what we're not seeing in our federal government is we have actual emissions in uh, like, how this RF interacts with people mandates by the FCC. They're the people actually tell the cell phone carriers, the uh, actual broadband providers, all these different companies that interact with the different aspects of 5G, what this stuff can do to you. Um, what they don't tell them to do is, okay, once you've got it connected, yeah, yeah you can't go out and just fuck with people, man. You can't, they, they don't say that. But the problem is, is they're doing it. So the question is, is how do we, the public, force them to comply with federal mandate laws and safety requirements, right? And that's where we have to tell them this stuff is not good for us or this stuff doesn't work for us or this stuff isn't good for our society. And we have to stand up and vote people into office who will do that for us. That's how this, that's how a, a democracy works. We have to stop, I've said this earlier, maybe I'm getting off topic, but we need to stop putting lawyers into, into the government. We need to start putting people in who actually are going to vote the way we tell them to vote, vote their constituency, right? That's, that's what this is really about. We have to have them mandate what we want them to do. We have to quit being the sheep. 
Stop, exactly. Stop complying. This, the, the, this, this whole idea of um, them just allowing us to be treated this way needs to stop. This, this, this has to stop. This is, this is an abuser abusey cycle, right? This has got to stop. And I think your final point, you're asking about the, like, can the COVID virus and some of that stuff be affected by 5G, right? Well, the, the answer to that is, is if you can excite the chemical bond in that with RF or cause it to get activated somehow, and we've seen certain chemicals that do get RF activated. For example, look at your neon uh, road signs, right? These signs you see above bars, they, the, the bars that have a little sign that says open or whatever, that's actually a chemical that gets activated by RF. It's a neon sign, right? You put enough voltage or enough RF into it, it eventually excites the actual uh, the chemical in there, the, the gas, to actually become excited and turn on and, and flash bright, right? The well, same thing with other chemicals that can be put into the air or, in, or into the, or liquids or foods or whatever. If you put enough RF or juice into it, all kinds of crazy shit can happen, so. You, you might remember in my presentation, Dr. Ross 80, who he, the CIA tasked him to work with EMF, RF, all that kind of stuff for my, yeah, a sub-project, MKUltra sub-project 119 to figure out mind control and how to mind control. So all of that is associated. So um, as far as protection, though, there's also some stones and crystals that we know about, right? Shungite, tourmaline, obsidian. You can put that stuff around or carry it. So and... Lisa's pointing at her head. So <laughs> there's also other things you can do. So, And, of course, I am a big proponent of prayer and meditation and protection around your auric field. So I'm also a proponent of that for your food before you eat it. So all of that, I believe, helps. All right. Uh, so I guess to start off with um, the original plan, I believe, was... Huawei, the Chinese uh, cell phone manufacturer, um, was supposed to have the contract to build the 5G towers here in the United States. But Trump and the, I believe the alliance intervened and changed those plans so that now that they put the Cove, C-O-V-F-E-F-E, -E -E, I don't even, Cove-F-E, <laughs> I can't, I'm not sure the exact pronunciation, but apparently it's some kind of magnetic um, component in there that uh, reduces the toxicity of the uh, EMF frequencies or RF frequencies. So um, I believe what was supposed to happen is that there, at least some of the batches of the COVID vaccine had, um, I mean, there are numerous batches and they're all, they're doing experiments on different batches to see, well, well let's tweak this person, you know, this, this batch and this batch and just, and they're, they're, um, all the data is being reported for the people that got the vaccine. Even if you got the saline, it has these, um, the little, uh, nanobots in there that report back to the 5G towers. Um, as far as mind control, I don't think the 5G technology is advanced enough to interface with, I mean, maybe V2K, voice to skull technology, giving information out, but to actually do physical. Um, I, I was told that that's going to be more 7G, and I, had, I don't know how many decades that's going to be before 7G comes out, but... Um, so, because uh, the interference, um, because it was stopped, um, I don't. I think what's going to happen is just uh, a lot of people. The goals and the plans are going to basically uh, fail in their face the, of the dark side, and it's going to be exposed. 
Um, but there's also another, another thing I want to mention is that 5G itself is extremely inefficient way of data transmission. It's, it's actually shorter distance traveled and um, uses more energy. So um, I think I think they're trying to do a 3D mapping of everything, everything within the, around these 5G towers to see all the movements inside your house, what everything, maybe even what you're saying. Um, of course, they've already had that technology for many, uh, many, many years now. But um, yeah, and and there's of course the luciferase, those purple lights. Uh, you have, are you familiar with what I'm talking about? The the light, the lights. Um, the street lights that look black, apparently there's some kind of tra um, tracking mechanism from people that got the vaccine <laughs> that um, they can track with that luciferase. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, at least that's what I want to come on. Yeah, that's... <laughs> well, <clears throat> we have Omnia patches for sale. If you guys... <laughs> um, so this one... This is an interesting one, and I think I've heard Mark and Rebecca actually touch on this before, but have you discovered a contract canceling technique to protect your bloodlines? Or just even if you can offer any advice on canceling contracts? Oh. I'm going to go into that, eh? Well, I mean, I had a kind of dumb flippant answer, which is do the work. It's, it's, you're undoing the whole bloodline. You know, as I, if you guys were here for my talk this afternoon, you know, I went into the satanic bloodline on my mother's side, and that was pretty gnarly. Um, and I'm finding that doing the work I've done, it moves forwards and back through time and unbinds the contract from the whole system. It's actually not. Once, we, once one person shows up and does this, it really, it really helps more than you think. You don't have to keep, you know, moving mountains to try and get this done. And so I remember what I said, it's all about intent. Um, and a lot of times it's connected. You might find a contract or a, um, some kind of uh, dark web of interference connected to the chakra system as well, working on that. I have found really um, unbiased things from the system too. So that's my answer to that. Quick answer. Um, I remember, you know, asking Robert, you know, why do you work with these things, why do you deal with these things, talking about reptiles and things like that. And he just said, we have a contract, and that was the end of it. He didn't go any further than that. And I remember, like, with ETs and stuff like that, contracts are really, really important. And um, your word is your bond, pretty much. And without your word, you know, they just don't want to be put in a situation where they get blacklisted and no one will ever trust them again. So contracts are, I don't know. I don't know if they're ironclad, but they seem that way to me, at least the way I remember and how they explained. I mean, you can give, go back on it, but then they, you know, they also have something called like the balance, which is like a karma kind of thing. And if, you know, you go you go back on your word, you must think of the balance. Like, what will this do? And you know, you make a deal, you got to deal with, you know, consequences or the benefits. Actually, I worked on um, a contract that I have with a reptilian with with Rebecca, so she saw that happen. I haven't actually been able to break it all the way yet, so I'm, I'm still working on it. Um, I thought I had it done, but it's definitely not. I've been told by a couple of people. Um, I worked with Pete, you know, Pete Slattery, and um, he, he's done some stuff. 
where we're using some uh, different guides and stuff to, to do it, but it, it actually doesn't seem like it's gone. I thought it was twice. First time with Pete, we worked with um, Kuan Yin. And um, actually, I haven't been back working with her as much as I probably should have, but it just doesn't, you know, it's a hard thing to just get rid of all at once. I guess that's the thing, especially with the reptilians. There seems to be a, a real attachment to your first three chakras with the uh, agreement. So I studied at Intuitive Way, which is a spinoff of the Berkeley Psychic Institute, and we did something similar where we had a meditation and we looked at the different lineages um, in our family, and we went as far back as we could in this meditation, and we did cord-cutting exercises. So we would cord-cut with each person within our lineage, and we would try to see what the contracts were, and we would cord cut from those contracts. Um, it does take a lot of time, and it takes a lot of energy, a lot of energetics, um, psionic energy. So it's a process with where you are consciously as well. Um, but as Rebecca said, it works backwards and forwards. And it, sometimes people are called to be the person to cleanse like the bloodline and the family lineage, and that's a huge mantle. But um, I believe it can be done. It just takes a lot of time. So, Mark, you're so brave to be able to do that. So um, it, it, I feel like it does take a lot of time, and it can, be, it can feel like a burden, but I feel like it can be done. So if you want to try that meditation and cord cutting, let me know. Yeah, I've got a comment. Okay, so I have tried doing the contract revision, recidivism, I can't even pronounce the word, but tried to cancel the contracts, right? So um, one, thing we, one, one thing I tried was um, petitioning time travelers from the future to intervene. That didn't really work. I tried the archangels, archangels and angels and then put the crystals all over the place. Um, and they still open up portals and come into my house and shoot me up. The, um, I believe there, there are grays that are involved in this. But... Um, the, the next thing I uh, try to do is uh, reach out to the karma councils and petition them for help. So, so we'll try to rework the karma and whatnot. And their response was they're not going to help because they said, they said, I need to figure it out myself. So, <laughs> the, so after trying to cancel in all these contracts, they're still coming. I think what it is, there's contracts of you and other alternate realities. And they're, so, they're, they're, they're so they hold on such a thin string to, to hold you in these programs. They're going to go into these other realities and use those contracts to keep you in their programs. So I haven't figured out how to cancel those contracts. And when I do, I'll be sure to be happy to tell you. So I, I'll come at this sort of a couple of things first I want to say Mark please continue doing your work because in the end it will be worth it I, I can tell you that I, I I started my process in 95 it's now 2022 and I'm this is like the first like when I stepped into 2020 this first decade beginning this first this part of this decade it was the first time I actually felt like I was free of all that shit so please keep doing that and I suggest all of you do the same please do because it is worth it. It is a slow process, but it's like peeling back an onion. And eventually get down to the core of that onion, and eventually what will happen, what I found is this, is that 
as you peel back that onion, the power they have becomes less and less. It lessens their stranglehold over us energetically, karmically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. All that stuff is reduced to less and less effect. So I recommend, please, if you're doing that kind of work, please continue doing it. Rebecca, I thought you brought up a great point about this. All of us are, this has got back to my earlier comment, I think, that we're all being asked to step into the gap. We're the people being called to save us. We are our heroes. Mm-hmm. All of us. And what that, what that kind of means is, is that we have to make a conscious effort and choice to actually want to heal that karmic, energetic, emotional, mental line, spiritual line back through our families, right? We all do. I mean, if you look at the whole six degrees of separation statement, right? That means every person in this room is re- related to each other by six degrees. We're all family. So the question is, is how do we all heal our family, right? So that, that's the next thing I would say. I thought my, my wife brought up a great point. There are many tools that you can use to actually break uh, the, inner, the immediate energetic hold. Tools like stones and uh, rituals and stuff they can provide immediate relief while you're doing the actual work. That's what's supposed to happen. The, the, the stones themselves can sort of help, but you're required to do the work. You have to start doing the internal work, and that's hard. I can speak from experience. It's hard. And lastly, what I would say is, is that big picture is, is if we continue doing this, we're actually shaping a more positive outcome for our species than other species want us to have. And I think that is what they don't want to happen. So I, I would say from my perspective, if we're all doing this sort of work, if we're stepping into that gap, we're the ones shaping our outcome, not some other species telling us what they want the outcome to be. just one more thing about the contract removal or you know discontinuing all of that is that sometimes and I've found this by working with clients that sometimes there's a um, the adult self or the front personality wants to be finished with it all but there might be a really small damaged part that isn't ready to it is very quiet and it's hard to find and that might be if you're trying and trying and trying the key so maybe drop the direct work with unbinding a contract um, and look for that small part that might be really reluctant or afraid of getting killed if you get out of it. I hope that makes sense. I think that's useful to somebody out there. Yeah. Um, without going too much into depth about the really advanced you know, state of mind that we're talking about, um, at culturally... From, the, from very young ages, all of us, there's not, we don't have a culture of letting people say no or being let to say no. Little kids, when they say, no, I don't want it, hurry up, you got to eat it, you got to do it. So they, they, we have it ingrained culturally to not say no and to not let people tell us no. And that's how we get roped into these things. When I was on the table with an ET asking me to come work with them for 20 years, I didn't even have the option of thinking no because I, w- I thought that there was this bevy of things. And so I look at it culturally and say, 
we need to learn how to say no. We need to make it healthy to be able to say no and stand in our own saying, you know, even when it sounds like something good, if you have the intuitive feeling to say no, we shouldn't get punished for it, and we shouldn't punish people for telling us no. And this is a cultural thing that's going to have to advance when you're talking. The easiest way to quit smoking is not to start, to say no in the very beginning. And these contracts that we're talking about undoing would be very easy to do if we had the ability to be comfortable to say no and still get on with our lives. So, I, you know what I mean? I'm throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what happens. Right, right. Great answer. This one's interesting. How would we know if trauma is from a past life or from our cloned altars? Um, that's really interesting because what if you're, these recalls you're having are from a past life and you think you're in the programs? You know, how do you know the difference? Um, so a lot of people hear about what I went through and they want to talk to me about their trauma. So it happens a lot. And what I found is that you would think that people would get away from trauma or not reconstruct it. But you, I think that on a subconscious level, when you, have, when you experience a trauma, traumatic event or a traumatic period in your life and then you get away from it, subconsciously you go right back to it in an attempt to try to master it. So, you, ha, you know, you hear it all the time, and I, I hate to use the, um, the example, but you always hear about somebody that gets in a relationship that's very abusive and they get out of it, and you go, oh, thank God, you got away from that. And they go right back into the very improbable, exact same relationship with somebody else because they're trying to master that which mastered them or they didn't have anything over. So trauma repeats that way. Um, when you say, is it from a past life or is it from a... I, I really don't think that that's... A, I think that's a moot point. I think it's something you shouldn't care about. You should think about why is it still happening? Why is it still... You know, are you inviting the trauma? You know, you got to let go forgive yourself and uh, but I've just found that it keeps happening for some reason and I think that it's an attempt by your subconscious to go back and master what you had no control over well said I'll come at this from a couple of angles because of what Jody and I do for our business um, we've seen on the the QHHT end of things where there are definitely patterns from past lives that create, uh, it is trauma, and it never gets settled until the person's actually under, and we ask the question, well, what is that all about? And the person's like, oh, yeah, that has to do, their subconscious says, that has to do with blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, when the person finally hears it come through in the audio, uh, all of a sudden, they relinquish this huge part of who they are that was causing them pain. We've had people relinquish addictions, we've had people relinquish medical issues, psychological issues, all kinds of stuff. Because the subconscious really, in my mind, and I, I'm going to deviate with you a little bit here on this, just a split hairs. Um, I think from my perspective, and I think you'd probably agree, that what the subconscious is really craving is healing. It's really craving finding that, it's trying to get to, to a homeostatic state of, I'm okay. Right? Does that make sense to everybody? And I think what's happening is the reason why it's going through this pattern of, like you said, recreating that trauma is because what it's trying to do is it's trying to figure out where it screwed up the first time. How do I not recreate this a second, a third, or fourth, fifth time? And what we do in QHHT is, is when we get somebody under, we're actually asking their subconscious, do they really have to go through that again? 
And the subconscious is like, yeah, I don't want to go through that again. So we, give, we try to give them cues, different ways of thinking about how to reprocess that particular piece of trauma and releasing that trauma. And what happens a lot of times is that people will, uh, you'll see fundamental changes. We've had people that had agoraphobia that they were, they were stuck in their house for 15 years. They could not get out of their homes. We did one QHHT session with this person, and she's now taking walks outside in her garden with her big dog, uh, working in her garden every night, working with her family, going to malls, shopping with her grandkids, stuff that she would have never thought possible because the, the subconscious wants to get healing. Now, the question you directly asked was, is there a difference between al- how, how alter, you, alter and, and actual past life, right? How do you tell the difference? Yeah. I would say, just from what we've seen in QHHT, a lot of times when you start seeing uh, the physical ailment sides of stuff showing up, that tends to be more past life related. We've seen this happen a lot. Now, when it comes to alters, the thing with that is is that what I've experienced in my own life, and maybe some of the others up here can give their input as well, but what I've experienced when it comes to the alter side of this is that there's psychological, what I'll call blocks that kick in that don't normally happen with, say, normal trauma, right? Like, for example, um, for some reason, you know, when I was younger, I would drink to actually stop the inhibit, stop me from feeling certain things. That block was put in place so I couldn't actually process the trauma, and that was also programming. So stuff like that. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so this is shifting gears a little bit, uh, but who's actually behind Space Force? What's going on there? Is that Solar Warden rebranded? Does anyone have any information on that? The only thing I remember about that is uh, I remember it happening, and I remember uh, Solar Warden coming in to play, and I was just kind of upset because I thought, Navy did all the work, and Air Force gets all the credit. <laughs> so the, the, the comment that I heard a while back was that the Triumvirate essentially runs the, all of the programs, the, the big corporate super board. And when the Space Force was pitched to them, meaning we will give you a way to bring this to fruition so that the U.S. and world population can know about these programs. They immediately, well, most of the companies rejected that offer flat out. They left the triumvirate board for a while. And the reason why they left it was because of corporate liability and law. Because what would have happened is that would have extended the reach of the international criminal courts, it would have extended the reach of certain government courts to the corporations operating on the moon. And they absolutely did not want that because that would have meant that they could be charged with, with crimes against humanity. So that's where that kind of broke down. The other thing that I heard was that uh, the U.S. military is still trying to take over some of these programs, or trying to, some of the white hats we've heard, you've heard us mention and talk about, right? The question is, is it, it takes time to infiltrate these organizations and actually start making shifts for the better. It takes time for that stuff to happen, and that's what we're seeing set up. We're basically seeing some of these groups kind of teeing up certain actions so that later down the road, 
the next person who comes behind them can kick the football even further down the road, right? That's kind of the mindset here. So I, I personally do not think Space Force is Solar Warden. I don't believe that. Maybe I'm wrong. Someone can correct me on this. I don't think so. Um, but what I do believe is, is that they are an attempt by the military-industrial complex to give them to give some of the programs a, a quote-unquote out. So, is SpaceX just a dog and pony show, a continuation of NASA? Um, well, I, my input is that I believe that was Elon Musk's way of flying Putin the finger. Client, say that again. I believe that was Elon Musk's way of flying Putin the finger. T telling Putin to go fuck off, yes. Oh, there you go. Because, because simply put, the Russians, when, when we stopped our shuttle pro program, the only way we had to get people up to the ISS was via Russian rockets. It was costing us something like $25 million per flight, per person. So if you're sending up a crew of three at 75 million, the U.S. is paying the Russian government to put somebody on the ISS. And Elon Musk came in and said, I can do that bigger, better, faster, and for like a tenth of the cost. And it's here in the United States. We're actually launching it from here in the United States. And it's actually a U.S. product. It's being ran by U.S. people. It's being put together by U.S. people without all that overseas garbage. And exactly, to reusable, yes. And that's exactly, I think, the reason why he did that, because whether you agree with Elon Musk or not, and there's some things with him I don't agree on at all, including his stance on AI, um, I, I personally feel that that was actually really good for the U.S. because it, put us, it kept us in the space program. It kept us in the space race. Them, uh, Blue Origin, which is Jeff Bezos, and a few others have all done that. Thank you. Um, did I understand that humans on Earth look different because we all, we're all seated on Earth at different time periods from different planets? So I guess all the ethnicities and different races. I don't know if somebody mentioned that. Can you repeat that? Um, did I understand that humans on Earth look different because we all have, uh, because we're seated on Earth at different time periods from different planets? I mean, we're, like, we're all essentially different races of ETs. No. The purpose of the different races that I <clears throat> remember, because I was in cargo, obviously, was that certain, certain uh, DNA strands that give us our racial makeup on Earth are do better in different environments, and that the Earth is a depot for genetics for other ETs to come through and gather DNA to go to other planets and set up workforces. And so they put us all, they put a very diverse amount of human DNA on the Earth long ago so that they had the ability to come here as a depot and gather DNA to go set up workforces on whatever, in, on a cold world, on a hot world. They have, we have different races that fare better. And so that was the original uh, framework. And so it's not very common among human planets to have the diversity that we have because we're in a kind of a more a highly trafficked area. And so I hope that answers the question because it's like it's confusing as shit. Yeah, that was great. 
So Earth basi basically has a neon sign above it that says DNA Depot. <laughs> yeah, real quick. Yeah, I saw Jupiter. Yeah. yeah, real quick, like, I, I think the other thing, too, is is that you've also got this idea of uh, both, both Pangea and Panspermia, right? So you've got other alien species that have seeded some of the genetics that's here on Earth. They've already proven that, for example, with uh, cephalopods, octopuses, right? You guys have probably seen some of the articles in the news. If you haven't, go check it out. They've proven that that DNA is not Terran DNA. It's not Earth-based DNA. So that proves that right there that this DNA, this, these life forms are coming from elsewhere in, in the cosmos. Secondly, and, and even more importantly, I think... Uh, I think you're absolutely correct. I mean, we have such a wide variety of DNA here because we've had so many different species stop here and give donations. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like we're, we're, the, we're party central and everyone's leaving the deposit, which is kind of a gross thought. So I'm going to move on. Okay. Um, so... I think we might have touched on this earlier, but we'll see if anyone wants to add to it. Uh, do the clones carry a portion of the original soul? If so, is the soul able to fully come together in the original if there are clones still functioning? So I guess what they're trying to say is, I actually don't know what they're trying to say. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, um, some some clones can have different fragments of this, the original soul. It all depends on whether or not you're capable, if your soul is large enough to be splintered in this manner. Um, for some people, can they're, they're not going to be uh, be able to survive being splintered off and be put into a clone body. But uh, it, it could vary. I mean, there are some certain cyborgs that need some soul, some soul energy to animate it in order to get the psychic abilities. Then are there other cyborgs? Um, define when you start inserting more and more soul energy into the clone, that particular cyborg may become more uh, positively aligned and may not be as easily influenced and mind controlled. So it all kind of really depends on that. But uh, yeah, but as far as uh, an altar rehoming, maybe we should ask Johan because he seems to be more expert on rehoming altars. So the, the rehoming aspect is basically when you have a fragment of you copied into a clone body. That clone body goes off and does all kinds of amazing things. And then when that clone body either passes or you're quote-unquote retired, which I hate that phrase, but you're retired, uh, the clone body is essentially put in freeze or it dies or, or they do away with it. That fragment rehomes back to the original soul. So you can think of it like this. Uh, everybody in this room, soul-wise, is underneath of the, d the divine creator source, right? We're all subordinate fragments of that entity. And our, our altars, if you have an altar, would be essentially a subordinate soul to you. So in a way, they kind of look up to us as that higher-level guidance, that higher-level uh, soul-based intelligence, that collective as to who they go back to when it's time for them to return home, quote unquote. Uh, that's, that's the way I would answer that question, I guess. Also, I think one of the indicators or selection, part of the selection process with um, super soldiers is that they look at soul DNA. And so as far as certain soul groups, they wanna make sure that that soul is able to be fragmented. But like James said, some don't have enough to be fragmented enough. 
Uh, yeah, I was. I agree so much with that. Um, I was clued a bunch of times, and at times it seemed like there was more than one of me running around and alive at one time out there in space. Um, and they always seem to come back to to home. It might take a while, but it seemed like there's a higher power, a higher math, higher universal force that would take the natural order back to itself, even as fucked up as the life of the clone might have been. And they always seem to have some fragment of soul, at least in my experience, that's all I can speak of, but, yeah. Um, I did not. I didn't, and this was all, um, I mean, it was coming back to an original aspect of me that it was out in space anyway, so it wasn't like it was, I don't know, I want, I want to say it was like coming back to whatever the original piece of me, that this is getting complicated, <laughs> that, that they took into space. Yeah, um, and it, I almost felt like did they, Almost, how to say? I would. The language I might say is um, clone part of the soul itself, which is you know like oh we just made more soul. I know that doesn't make sense to our linear cognitive minds, but there's insane technology that does all kinds of things out there that I do not understand. To answer your question directly, uh, 2016 I had a stroke, and I was chatting with Peter, and before I even mentioned the fact that I'd had this stroke. He said, well, one of your alters died on October 21st, 2016. That's the day of my stroke. Wow. So he, he could not have just randomly guessed that date. And when we were chatting about it, he said, well, this is the, the alter you guys have heard Jody and I chat about. His name is Victor. Uh, when he was killed or terminated, uh, that particular, that hit my, my soul very hard because... There was a lot of unresolved kind of, um, alters don't generate karma per se, but the energy behind it when it hit back into that into my soul had a great deal of impact because of who that entity was, that part of me was. Does that make sense to everyone? Right. He carried a lot of gravitas and weight, and when that energy returned, it was like somebody like literally gut-punching me in the heart. So. I think Mark wanted to say something. Oh. Come on, Mark. You, you've been doing a lot of work on this. Yeah, it's it's. We're gonna put you on the spot, Mark. All right. All right. Well, then we'll let you answer this next question. How do people use the bathroom in space? No. I'm um. So we were. <laughs> we were told that this world we're living in isn't what we think it is. Please explain further. Um, I guess that can, that's a very general question, but... Um, no. <laughs> um, I've said that. I don't know if that's why the question got wrote down, but I've said that many times. The world isn't what, as we're presented. I mean, real quick, go turn on the news. Give it, give it 15 minutes. It's nothing like what, what you're going to see when you step outside the door in this building. It's that we live in a different world than what we're presented. And beyond that, we live in a different universe than what we're presented. We're presented that we're the only game in town, that we can't go into space. There's so many things we can't do, which we are up here telling you all that is bullshit. That, and they're well, on, they're well on their way, and they have been for a long time the people that are telling us this. And the one thing that we got out of the last five years 
without a doubt, was that we saw that the media was all on the same page and they're all feeding us the same thing. They showed us their cards. They were very good at it. Prior to that, there was, there was doubt if the news was lying to us on that level. And now we, it's, it's plain to see. They got sloppy, and that's, that's the one thing we got that is going to carry into the future we can, that we can't let go. The, the media is all, all of it is on the same exact page to pull the wool over our eyes on what's really going on. Aside from the media, then you have the history books, right? So, <laughs> I mean, we can just, like, go down the line from history to music to the way um, the harmonics are in music, right? So, I mean, yeah, science. I mean, is it, when I first saw that first drone, that kind of just changed my whole point of view. But even when I did see it, it's like I still forgot it the next day. A guy had to come up to me and he said, "What did you think about you know, what you saw the other night?" And I, oh my gosh, I forgot because it was just so unbelievable. It was just so my mind could not accept it. It just couldn't wrap around it. And but I mean, it, going to this history books and things like that, I was told as well that it's just all nonsense. And you know, the whole Library of Alexandria, you know, the information survived, and just that you know, our, I was told that eventually our history is going to change, everything's going to change, science is going to change, you know, the Atlanteans were our ancestors and all this other stuff, I was told all this stuff, and I mean, yeah, it's, as far as what we're being fed right now, it's just all garbage as far as I can tell. Right, absolutely. <clears throat> um, as far, so how many, aside from the planets that we're taught about, how many planetary bodies or satellites are occupied and colonized in our solar system? Does anyone have, uh, or, or are there any that you can tell us about that we don't know about? I'm, I'm curious, like, how many have you been to, what it looks like out there for real? Thousands of planets that I've been to, at least tens of thousands of colonies more than that, and many, many, many that are, that are not, that I was not privy to. Just in our solar system? Just in our solar system. Name three. <laughs> 70 Virgis B, which is the largest cloning colony that we have. It's not in our solar system anymore because they wanted to make sure that they had a legal way of saying, oh, we're not doing that inside the solar system. Maki Maki, which is the largest prison planet. It's in the Oort cloud. It's one of the heaviest... Um, I guess you could call it one of the heaviest security facilities ran by Nakwa from Rajir, Dark Fleet. Uh, and of course, Mars. Everyone talks about the colonies on Mars. Many of us up here have been on Mars, so all of us up here. So, I mean, those are the, those are the three I can name right off the top of my head. Right. Anyone else want to answer that? Uh, oh, sorry, but everybody kind of lost count. Like, they're, like when we talked about them, they, they didn't tell us about all of the all of the, but everybody knew that it was in the hundreds and growing, that it would, they were building out like crazy. And we were always hearing about shipments going to new places that had just been pioneered for a new base in the solar system. And uh, there's a, and they, I think they have a lot of potential to keep building more, uh, even this day. Like there's a lot of real estate up there that we're unaware of. Yeah, I just want to comment there are pocket 
bubble realities that also can coexist within this reality that's outside of our perception in another dimension and zone. So, uh, yeah, just expand your mind even further. <laughs> There's a lot out there, almost infinite. The, the, the bubble outside of Jupiter, is that what he's talking about, pocket bubble reality? I know, you've I know you've explained it before. Could you explain how that works, I th uh, the GPS part of it again? Like, you have to enter and exit. Exactly. Right. So that was actually something the ship computer didn't have the ability to do. It's a, you know, think about an app you have to pay for. It was, it was a commodity to get the coordinates to go inside those bubbles. So there are several of them where Jupiter failed to ignite as a star, ripped time space, and made a bubble that was, once you're inside of it, you're outside of time space so that you can go in and come out at a different time and pretty much the same location. But it's also very secure. If you think about that as a military base, how do you attack it? You, it was that your speed and angle and position on the bubble when you went into it would determine when and where inside the bubble you went. So it was very secure for that reason because they had literally billions of years to choose from to put their, set their base up. So you could go back in, if you didn't know where you were going, you would just go in there and find an empty bubble and there'd be nothing there. Um, but we got in trouble a few times with it and they had to go through a great deal of trouble to get the right coordinates to go in there for any kind of meetings. And right. once you get in there, it's just black space. There's no stars, there's no light, nothing. Thank so. you, thank you. So this actually is a good segue into the next question unless somebody else wanted to add to that. Not to get religious, but there is a biblical scripture that I feel like actually goes um, with this as far as the magnitude of worlds, and that is like the sands of on you know the sea and everything. It's worlds without number, you know. That's like the magnitude of worlds that are inhabited, in my opinion. Just for my own curiosity, um, you know, we're we need oxygen to. So what, how, what's happening? How are all of these planets, uh, they all have oxygen? Or are there certain atmospheres set up? How, how do you survive? Well, the number one way is the planet already has naturally producing fauna flora that actually produces a breathable atmosphere, right, or a mix that's breathable. The second method is um, you actually split water, produce uh, oxygen, and then you use a scrubber system inside of that environment to keep it clean, right? Some sort of chemical scrubbing system. And the third method that we know of is uh, obviously an agent or something that can pull CO2 out of the air. So any of the, any of the exhalants that we would breathe out of our lungs, there are systems aboard ship that actually pull those chemicals out of the air and turn them into what they call a condensate that is actually removed by the, the quote-unquote cleaning crew, which is actually us, but... That's a whole other story. Um, the people go in, they clean that stuff out. It's basically like a, a gray chemical that they scrape out and dump into a bucket. So. Also, there are some cyborgs which do not require oxygen. They can be in outer space and survive just, I want to say just fine, but uh, yeah. So. That's interesting. Yeah. Anyone else want to add to that? Um, oxygen on the Ceres colony was not a problem. They had giant machines the size of a house, 
and they had dozens of them, and it only took a few of them to do a great area. So they had it covered. It was a very redundant thing, and it was not something that was even in question of ever not having oxygen. So they just needed to turn it on and power it. They didn't need anything else. And they were this, literally the size of like a farmhouse, and they were set up throughout the colony. And I was told uh, just the hangar bay only needed two of them, and they had something like 14 of them. But because the doors got stuck open, then we still ended up without air. Um, well, so going back to like the time bubble thing, that somebody is interested in knowing, can you please differentiate the difference between density and a dimension? Dimension is more, in physics, it's more of a place, if that makes sense to people. It's like you're, let's say that we're all in this particular location here inside the United States of America. We have a, a, a three-dimensional GPS coordinate as to where everybody in this room is sitting, right? A dimension would be to say that we open up a rip in time space and you move to another place through that particular rip. That would be, a, that would be a, an actual dimension, right? Density, on the other hand, has everything to do with vibrational frequency. You literally have to change vibrational frequency to move up into the next density. Now, what does that look like? Well, that requires that we start managing our emotions, our thoughts, our behaviors in a much different way than we currently do because... Right now, other species look at us like we're the two-year-old throwing a temper tantrum, right? I don't want to do it. Uh, but the idea is, is that as we start managing our emotional mental space, that vibrational density shift occurs. We start stepping. Right now, we're in that young kid stage. We eventually step into the tween stage, right? That's what these other species, in my opinion, are waiting on when you make that shift into the higher density. Nope. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Good, that was a great answer. Um, so this is interesting, uh, and, I, and this is a good one. Uh, what's the best way to integ integrate all that we've listened to and learned about this week? And thank you all for sharing your stories. Because that is actually great because we there's a lot to process and uh, you know yeah please anyone who wants to take that I think I saw Mark raise his hand give it to Mark he can answer that. yeah there we go I'm not sure I could tell you how to integrate it, but I would just attach to whatever felt really familiar or struck you emotionally and uh, work on those things first. See why uh, it actually made you emotional. Is it a memory that you uh, you need to work on? Do you, you know, do you have some trauma that's in there, an experience? I would just go with those first instead of trying to integrate all the information because it's just been tons of information. So that's my suggestion. Yeah, great answer. I guess mine would be just, you know, don't ever lose hope. It's just that we're doing this for a reason. It's just don't ever lose hope. That's it. It seems like a Rebecca answer. I mean, 
come. Okay, yeah, come on. I know. Come on. <laughs> Um, I would say, yeah, just, I mean, kind of in reiteration what Mark said, that was brilliant, like, pay attention to, like, obsessive or incessant thoughts that keep coming. It's tugging your sleeve, even if you don't, like, there's things that everybody has been triggered by here in, in like, ways that are important, so just notice that. I would say, because I'm a journaler, write things down, I would say, go for a walk in nature. We've been inside all week, a lot of us, so that uh, always helps to getting like super grounded helps integrate a lot of things and works on your energy field to help you kind of get the downloads that are most significant and needed for you. Um, I would say keep, you got, got to keep working. Uh, Tyler, when we were talking long ago when this conference was on the drawing board for you, I remember you saying like we had, I don't know, we were texting around the phone. And we were worried about what we're seeing about this information, about the secret space program, and about really what's going on with it. Because the information kind of on a curve exploded in around 2014, 2015. And now we've really seen it taper off with a lot of the drama and a lot of people that stepped forward and they're now stepped away. So we're seeing a real, and then on top of it, a real collective, a concerned effort on scrubbing us off of media. Like we're starting to see it swept under the rug. We really are. And so that's why we had this conference to try to keep the ember of the truth of this burning. So I would say the way to integrate this is, A, to keep studying. If you have a question, begin looking for the answer for your question, and B, to share this with other people. We want this to pro proliferate. This is a big deal. And that's how we're going to get a disclosure is when everybody's aware that a disclosure is even possible because most people don't even know. So I would just say, you know, champion the research. Your soul, your mind, your consciousness, your subconscious is always taking everything in like a sponge, whether you realize it or not. So even if you like have nodded off, you know, during something like this, you're still taking it in. If you've yawned, that's usually a sign that you are expelling energy. So it's okay. But to integrate your um, your inner GPS will let you know what to integrate first and then subsequent to that and then subsequent to, to that. It's all dependent on what you can emotionally, mentally, energetically, and spiritually metabolize first. And it'll just go in phases and you'll know, your soul will know what to integrate and how to integrate that. And I love what everybody has said. I mean, from journaling to, you know, taking a walk out in nature, you'll have dreams. You'll have, I'm sure, vivid dreams. You've, I'm sure some of you have already had those vivid dreams. So things will just happen, and that momentum will just continue, you know, to just fast forward on warp speed. So that's what I would say. So, uh, quick question to Tyler: Do you still have any more T-shirts? <laughs> yeah, they're they're for sale in the back. Brookie's raising her hand right now. If you guys want them, there's some so, smalls and mediums left. So, summer's coming up, and you're going to be with your family at family outings. Why don't you go ahead and get yourself a T-shirt? And if anybody comes up to you and asks you, well, "What is a secret space conference? What does that mean?" Now you have an opportunity to educate them. Thank you. <laughs> that was great. Um, 
There you go. Somebody's running already. <laughs> uh, so I actually, I'm going to answer this also. Um, you know, the, we're talking about the information, but uh, the we we all need to make sure that we all do a clearing uh, and clear our energy field after this because we have just taken on so much. We're not around this much energy ever. All these people, all this all this vibration. Uh, there were times when I first got here where I had to leave the room because my body didn't know how to react to being around uh, so much energy. And it's not all good. There's some negative stuff around, and, we're, and people feel it. So I think we, before we all go home or as soon as we get home, maybe I'll even do a little uh, clearing tonight as soon as we're done with the panel for everybody. But um, energetically is the most important thing before the information. Um, before we even think about integrating the information, we got to make sure we're cleared and we're not bringing anything home with us. So that's what I would say to that one. Okay, uh, we'll do one or two more. I think we already answered that one. Um, since we all came from source and we chose the experience we want to have, then this entire experience we are going through now and every experience that has ever been had is all part of, is it all part of a movie or the experience source wanted to have? Okay, well, I guess I'll answer that. And this may be more my opinion on this, but um, uh, so some say that we are here to learn. I'm going to comment that we're here basically to be um, there. Okay, as above, so below. Just like it's chaotic here, there are beings above us in higher dimensions who are in charge of these councils, who, in my opinion, really don't care about us. Um, I'm not trying to be mean or vindictive, but I think. Um, when we, um, when we accept this thought that it's okay to be traumatized because our soul grows, um, that, that belief system, I believe, is an er a fallacy because um, the reason why they wanted to do that, they wanted our souls to grow so there'd be more souls for them to control. So the point is, we need to, I believe, the best thing to do is to come up with a new idea to accept that um, trauma and torture needs to come to an end. It's important to treat everyone with love and respect. It's, um, yeah, and um, and we probably need to get reformations up in the higher realms as well. The councils that are overseeing this because it's it's outrageous that this is taking place. That hum humanity is being treated as um, a cattle a chattel factory. Speaking strictly, I guess, from an ecumenical standpoint, um, I would say that you do have source that is trying to have all of these experiences, I think, and it's happening through us. As we return eventually to source, we're actually bringing back all of our emotions, our thoughts, our history, our everything that is us, we're bringing it back to that collective intelligence and saying, this is what we went through here. And as that happens, we, it collectively learns. It's a, it's, a, it's a collective idea that if it sends out many souls of itself to have these experiences, it's a much faster learning process, right? Instead of having just one soul having an experience and waiting on that soul to return, you've got billions of souls out there having that experience, and they can return eventually and bring all of that back to source. Um, I, I do agree with what you're saying, though, James. I think... 
the way that the corporations have hijacked that system and turned this into this weird kind of a chattel factory, it, to me, it's a, it's a species-wide travesty. That's what, that's what I would call it, if I had to call it something. Anyone else want to add on that, add to that? <laughs> Tony by default. Um, you know, the benefit of the, if you look at the scale of what's gone on, and I, I'm fully aware that a lot of people in the audience have had their own experiences and they could easily, I mean, easily come up here and join us. Not everybody wants to talk about this, but when you look at what we went through, everybody up here had a certain amount of trauma and, you know, not some kind of gravy, easy existence to do this. But we're the ones sharing it with you so that you don't have to go through that. So and I think that's how it works, I think. And someone asked me long ago, you know, would, why does uh, the suffering that you went through, Tony, why does that even exist? And I, I thought to myself, you know, it's for growth. Because 80 years or 100 years of suffering, what does that mean to a being that lasts millions of years? It's really not a big deal. It's just one bad day of getting the work done and getting some growth out of it. So that's really, our, when you look at our lifetime over the course of what we really are. So there's a lot that can be gained, but I mean, not that I would uh, ever recommend it. Right, right. Oh, should I say something profound? Um, I, I already, when, when I talked about this earlier, I talked it to death at the beginning, like I signed up for everything that happened to me. And it's about, you know, when you talk about source, the expression of higher intelligence, of experiencing contrast, polarity, and re its resolution. And like I said there, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't gone through everything so I could be a voice of disclosure. I think that's kind of what you're saying. Yes. All right. So, there you go. And you just said, like, you, you know, everybody in the audience has, I actually forgot what you said, but how many, It's you made a good point, how many people I know a lot of people have left. How many people have been on our show and shared their story and their information? I know there's a handful here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Barry, you don't count. <laughs> 13, four. So there are at least 15 people here to, uh, who could all be on the stage, and then literally every one of you guys could be. I know that everyone has a, sh uh, a story to tell, and I don't even know why I brought that up, but I just think it's... <laughs> I think it's amazing. I, I, like this is, you know, you guys have been through a lot, and um, but we're all the same. That was that was part of the whole idea of this conference, as far as no VIP tickets and not putting anybody on a pedestal anymore. We're just trying to break that programming, and literally everyone else could be up here. How do we know we're not clones? I buy a microscope. I think I mentioned this uh, during our talk Monday, I think, right? Yeah. So um, there's a couple of ways that can be approached, but the main way they typically 
it's, it's the easiest verification is to actually look at your thumbprint under a high magnification uh, scope, right? Both. They're both. They're both usually marked. But the idea is is that that bio that that biometric marker is usually put in place so that if and when something happens, the people who are in the know and you you kind of mentioned this. I think Daryl even kind of mentioned this too. This idea, there are people down here in the know, they're, they're, they're in the programs, they know what's going on. If they ever were to see an actual biometrically marked clone show up as a dead body, people start raising questions. So it's treated differently. It's treated differently by the medical establishment, it's treated differently by the law enforcement folks, and they're all in on this. I mean, at some level they're in on it, whether they admit it or not. No, there's corporations that actually sell them. Monarch actually sells some of these clones to high-end people in Hollywood. So, for example, um, you will see members of certain corporations who walk around in a clone of certain movie stars, certain TV stars. For example, um, and I think you've talked about this with Peter and some others, if you look at, like, Heather Shaw, the person who runs Shaw House, right, she's walking around in the clone of uh, Taylor Swift, because she, li because she lives in London. And what happens is Taylor's now husband, I believe, he is from London. They travel there all the time. It's not unusual to see her in that background, and it affords Heather Shaw this little bit of notoriety when she goes out in public. It doesn't look like her. So there... Yeah, Vanessa Kirby, right, yeah. There's, there's another one, right, yeah. So you have all these folks that use these clones of these superstars. Uh, who's the guy that's in charge of Umbrella? Um, Richard Bay. Yeah, Richard Bay. He, he's actually using Tom Cruise's clone. Do you mean these people know that they have a clone? No. They're actually being used. The, the DNA is being used and resold. The, and, and the stars may even sell their DNA. There's a, there's a whole DNA market. You guys need to understand the U.S. dollar does not mean shit. DNA is capital. It is the capital. Anywhere in the universe, DNA is capital, is king. To, to answer that question really direct and quickly, um, the reason, I, I, I would agree with that sentiment for one simple fact, because when you see what happens, for example, look at what happened with GEDmatch here over the last five years, right? How many of you guys know what GEDmatch is? The, 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 the genetic family matching service, right? They actually help you create your family tree through genetics, blah, 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 right? So GEDmatch, like Ancestry, like 23andMe, like all these other sites, um, if someone, if a law enforcement officer actually puts in a petition or a warrant for that DNA, they can, in fact, pull it. With GEDmatch, it's even worse because GEDmatch actually gave law enforcement a backdoor to allow them to search through all the DNA profiles. So they started clearing out all their old cold cases using GEDmatch, which, by the way, is actually against the law because you are free via the Fourth and Fifth Amendment you're free from unlawful search and seizure, and you're free from the right to self-incriminate. So, in my opinion, that's improper use of genetic material, which should be illegal. Yeah, so that you sign something, and you do that, you sign 
There is no, let me be, let me be very, very clear about this. There is no legal agreement you can sign that supersedes the Constitution of the United States. Period. That's interesting. The movie The Sixth Day depicts, uh, they said there's a code printed under your eyelid. Um, I wonder if there's you know, multiple ways, just aside from the, the film. There's also a film called Gattaca, in which uh, they would analyze DNA, a little tiny bit of drop of DNA around the crime scene. They would analyze it. Another movie you should also see is called Island, where they would clone um, yeah, actors, and, and the, the, the clones actually try to escape the island. But uh, apparently, actually, Johan, you said this, but uh, the uh, scene in there where they were cutting open the, the sack, pulling the clones out, were uh, apparently is very accurate looking. If you want to get an idea, some soft disclosure. I don't think so. No. Yeah, she said, does a clone know that they're a clone? And no, I don't. I definitely don't think so. Uh, man, there's so many movies on cloning. The Boys from Brazil, it's an old one. Uh, George Green came on Project Camelot, and he's, he said that movie's direct disclosure of a clone program that was taking place right after World War II. Uh, they were trying to clone Hitler, and they were taking these kids to an island. And I mean, that movie's insane, but... Uh, and they even, he said that they break down the cloning process in that movie. And this is old cloning. I'm sure it's, it's so far advanced by now. But they literally tell you the step-by-step process and how to clone a human in that movie. And according to George Green, uh, he said that's exactly how they do it. And they just told you in that movie. Uh, it's, it's all out there. But it's a, if you don't realize that movie is actually a disclosure, you might not find it that interesting. But if you look at it with different eyes, which I'm sure... That's how we all watch movies now. Um, yeah, so. Um, any last words from you guys uh, before we wrap this up tonight? So we got a question this evening about how people can stop what's going on here. Because I know a lot of you have actually asked this question. And for those of you who feel like you are not in the programs, I know some of you feel like you're so helpless, like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do about this. Um, I know some of you have formed groups on social media or just groups organically off social media, but I think a lot of us have given you ideas. Um, even if there's meditation groups and energetically you are sending that love and light to different locations, because even if we don't know specifics as where the dumbs may be, where these children are or whatever, we kind of do know where some of them are, but if we don't know where all of them are, you still can send that love and light even around the globe, encapsulating the globe. So there are ways that you can still help. Even if you feel like you can't, you can. <laughs> Yeah, on that note, which is a beautiful note. Um, like, I wouldn't have been here and open to this if it wasn't that I had my own experiences. And for those who are here and don't identify as abductees or, you know, haven't been taken into the programs, wow, applause. You know, I think that's so open-minded and so beautiful. Like, your presence here is astonishing. 
that you have gone down some rabbit hole or received information from somewhere and you followed that trail and you came here. You're holding space for all of this to unfold in the public eye. Anyone else? Um, well, go ahead, Tony. I just thank you. I mean, I'm overwhelmed. And I'm so happy to be up here with you guys. Thank you for all this. I really, I've known a lot of people in this room for a long time, but never met in person. And I'm just tickled to death, and I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, I was going to say the same thing. Thank all of you. Thank you. Did, did Robert tell you to say that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to. Um, no, thank you, guys. This has been absolutely amazing. Um, Right. I, I think it's common for... I was in the Navy, yes. The military generates the, the DNA database that shows you're pliable for these programs. So people that have it in their family, it doesn't have to be a direct military member. It can be a relative, and, you know, you're on the radar. But, yeah, there's a military common thread. Yeah, as, as Daryl mentioned, like, I'm United States Marine Corps. So, I mean, there are some of us, I would say a big chunk of your core officers... And some of these programs are definitely military. Uh, some of them switch over from Terra military to program military. And then you've got folks, uh, you know, as Daryl mentioned, where he's conscripted. There's some folks who are like Tony who brought in as slaves. Some people like me who get brought in as enlisted and become officers. So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways they approach this. But if, you're, if you have a military background, they already know you're, you're mentally pliable enough to be trained. You already have the structure, the regiment, all the stuff's there, the... the, the what they call the stew is already cooking, as it were. And, and <clears throat> I don't think you have to have a military background either. Uh, I definitely don't. Like Jackie, experimental programs and stuff, uh, it's all possible, I, I think, uh, to even wrap your head about, around how many programs are actually out there. I don't think you can comprehend it. Uh, yeah, so thank you, guys. This has been absolutely amazing. Thank all of you guys.